Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show in which we document people who are just really involved with independent music, whether it's punk or hardcore or emo or indie rock. I don't care what it is, as long as you are, you know, playing it, documenting it, just moved by it on a, you know, cellular level. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, that's just what I care about. And I like to have these discussions on a weekly basis and bring them to you for absolutely free, which is just, I mean, gotta love podcasts, right? I mean, I know I do. Anyways, I am thrilled. And I know each one of these conversations, like I I say, I'm excited, I'm thrilled, I'm happy to have, but this one, you know, rubs a little bit different in regards to the fact that I just celebrate what this gentleman has brought to the table in the form of his record label. His name is Jonathan Gonzalez. He runs a label called Sunday Drive Records. It's based out of San Antonio, where he lives. And uh, him and I started corresponding, gosh, I want to say it was like 2016, 2017, where he sent me a little package of his releases and was like, hey, just fan of the show, want you to check this out. And ever since then, you know, we've just like kept in touch on the internet. And I would say the past three to four years, I've just like fallen in love with the label. It's one of those things that reminds me of what I felt like when I was, you know, 16 or 17, just waiting on the next rev release. paying attention to what like Victory's putting out and just like, you know, when a label develops a personality and you can just like almost blind buy whatever it is they're putting out, that's really what I feel about Sunday Drive Records. And so I just think that he's done a really, really amazing job. And I think you need to pay attention to it. You know, if you like punk, hardcore, emo, indie rock, all that stuff that this show traffics in, you will absolutely love what Jonathan is putting out there. He also started to play in a hardcore band recently. Um, He's played drums for a long time and uh, we we talk a little bit about that, but um, yeah, I'm totally blanking on the name of his band right now, which is just like 
super, super amateur of me, but you know, that's neither here nor there. I mean, I'm an amateur. I, I, I'm not a pro. <laughs> I just, I just do this for the love of the game, you know? Anyways, you can always reach out to the show on a words podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And for those of you that have been reaching out because you're like, oh man, your voice, like it sounds like it hurts and all that stuff. I genuinely appreciate it. Um, you know, I know that not everybody listens to every single episode, but the long and the short of it is that I've got nodules on my vocal cords and it's not threatening in the fact that, you know, they're, it's not cancerous. It's not anything that is degenerative. I'm not going to lose my voice, but it just sounds like I'm sick or hoarse a majority of the time. And, you know, some days are better than others and that's fine. But the doctor was like, I would not have surgery on it if I were you. It's nothing that, um, yeah, it's, they're just really small, but they happen to affect your, your, you know, the actual sound of your voice. So I was like, okay, doc, I'm listening to you. So for those of you that were concerned, I, like I said, genuinely appreciate it, but I am doing well. <laughs> Thank you for your concern. Anyways, um, weekly recommendation, right? Let's, let's hit that. But before I do that, you can always email the show hunterwordspodcast at gmail.com. Leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast page. It helps out tremendously, and I really do pay attention to that. And if you would like to leave a rating on Spotify, again, all those things help. Air, add to the air of legitimacy of this show. I say air of legitimacy because it's not like we're actually legitimate. <laughs> I've just lasted for a long time. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about weekly recommendations. Uh, If you are listening on a week-to-week basis, you'll understand that, uh, you know, like I love to share new music and I decided to formalize something in 2024 where I'm like, all right, each week I'm going to recommend a record, EP, something that I've been listening to, toss it in there. And, you know, some of it may make my year-end list. Some of it is just like really, really good music. So this is is a release that uh, I know that most of you will maybe have heard of in some capacity. The new Green Day record. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) That'd be really funny if I pulled that out. But this is the new split 12-inch from Downward and Trauma Way. Ray, not way. (laughs) Trauma Ray. It was released by New Morality Zine. Big shout out to Nick. Love what he does as a label. Actually, the first time I met Jonathan, the guest on this show, and Nick in real life was at their collective showcase at a program, the skate shop, where they have shows there. Anyways, that's neither here nor there, but let's talk about Downward and Trauma Ray. Both are bands that just do the heavy shoegaze, catchy thing so, so well. I actually saw, again, Downward at a program. Uh, this, I don't think it was for the showcase, but it may have been, I forgot regardless. And I've seen trauma Ray, I think, yeah, once before at the observatory or the constellation room, the smaller room, regardless, these bands smoke trauma Ray actually just recently signed to Dias records, which I look forward to their impending full length that I know will be gracing us in the year 2024. I'm fairly certain. So, but this split is just the perfect distillation Two new songs from each band, and, uh, it's unbelievable. So check it out. And I will include a link to the playlist that I'm keeping a running tab on all the music that I put in there. So yeah, just if you want new music, check that link out and you will be able to listen to new music until I was going to say the cows come home, but like, you know, it's a limited amount. We're only like, you know, six weeks into the new year. Anyways, let's talk to Jonathan. Sunday Drive Records. Love what he does. And uh, this song is actually off an EP that he's releasing from a band called Generation. Uh, The EP is named Satellites and Suns, and it comes out on February 16th. I never heard this band. 
<laughs> and he's up through the song and I'm just like, dude, you're doing it again, man. Just like making me a fan of bands. And I love that about it. So anyways, let's talk to Jonathan. Like, I want to say five, six years ago, where I remember you wrote me and you sent me a little care package of just like, hey, I just wanted you to be aware of the stuff that I'm doing. And I'd been following the label ever since. And it just seems to me like, especially over the past, I would say, two and a half to three years, it seems like you've obviously been able to put out a lot more records, but then a lot of people have been paying attention to what you have been doing. Um, do you think that is accurate or do you think it's one of those things where it's just been kind of like the slow growth mode where it's like, oh yeah, well, of course people are not going to pay attention the first years I'm putting out records (laughs) because no one knows who I am or anything. Um, but do you think it kind of picked up in the past couple of years? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, yeah. So the label started in 2015 and I probably sent you that maybe like 2018 or something like that. And, um, Yeah. It it was, it I think about this kind of frequently, um, like while reflecting on the label, um, because it, it's very weird. <laughs> like the first few years, I uh, was definitely just quiet, and I was a college student, um, so this label was kind of. I, I guess I was passionate about it, of course, because I was doing it on top of like homework and stuff and a, sure a job, um. Uh, I think at that age, though, I was expecting a larger return than maybe what, uh, you know, what it, in reality what it was. Um, and I was, would sometimes be a little bit bitter at that age, you know, as a 19, 20-year-old. I'm like, man, I'm doing, like, cool stuff. Like, this is really good music. These bands are sick. Like, why is no one checking it out? Um, and I remember selling, like, we were just doing tapes at the time, and uh, I would... I was very, I was excited when like people ordered because I, I, that was, you know, new to me and I would go to the post office and drop off tapes and stuff. Um, so that was really cool. But I always thought, uh, these bands that I was, you know, working with at that time were like so good. And I was like, why, why aren't like hundreds of these coming in? Um, uh, so yeah, it definitely like just very, very, very slow. It took me at least five years to get that little bit of attention uh that i uh thought the label deserved um obviously like the bands i really do believe in and i i really appreciate their music so i want them to be heard and yeah so around 2020 i would say it's that cursed year but uh you know it it got a lot of uh, attention i think people just had time to you know check out new music uh than what they were used to um and we started getting little waves of it in 2019 maybe some 2018 as well but really in 2020 is when i felt a shift or or there's data to show a shift as well if you could like at instagram followers and stuff and um yeah that's when it's really started to pick up and then i was like oh shoot maybe i <laughs> maybe i don't want this right now um sure but sure. the uh, you know, but then obviously I was able to adjust and get to where we are today, um, and it's just been a, a huge like learning experience. Sure, sure. Well, I think that 
the idea of what you're talking about where when you start something, you especially coming from, you know, the DIY punk and hardcore background that we both do, like we have this, you know, governor in our brain where it's like, oh, we don't expect it to be successful. I mean, we expect it to be like, oh, yeah, some people pay attention and like I can keep doing this, but not to the point of where you're ever going to be like, you know, I'm sure to your point where if you got like 10 orders in one day, you were just like, oh my God, this is huge. You know, <laughs> at the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very beginning, you're like, this is amazing. Um, yeah. But then t- talking about that idea of what you're saying where the, you know, the the reward when you're putting something out that you wholeheartedly believe in and you want people to pay attention to it, you're like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? Like we only sold a hundred of these, you know, seven inches and I press 500. What am I going to do with the other 400 of these things? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Those I've had many, many of those. <laughs> um, yeah. So especially at that age, again, like being a, just a broke college kid with a, a side job funding everything uh, myself and to pay for 50 cassettes and have two of them sell. And then you're like, oh, shoot, <laughs> like, what did I just do? And then continuing to repeat that is pretty insane looking back at it. But uh you know, I was uh, I was passionate about it. And I really did believe in those the music, even SDR 001. You know, where you put right. out fifty tapes or whatever. Like, I think it's still like such a great EP. So, right. Well, and and to your point too, it's like it's a much different undertaking when you're pressing you know fifty copies of a cassette versus you know a thousand LPs. Like those are whole you know different oh, yeah <laughs> different scale. But to your point, it definitely still feels very um you know humbling when you only like you say sell two tapes out of the 50 you're supposed to try to sell at some point yeah yeah so (laughs) putting putting the focal point on on you just because i mean i know sort of generic swaths of you as a human as far as like were, were you actually born and raised in san antonio i was yeah okay and uh, so, you know, you got to hang out at the Riverwalk and, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> all, all the cheesy tourist stuff that, uh, you know, people yeah. people know about. Uh, what was the family structure like as you were growing up? Like brothers and sisters, mom and dad in the house? What did that look like? Yeah, uh, it was pretty standard um, home, you know, uh, mom and dad. And uh, uh, I was an only child up until I was seven. Uh, so then I had a little brother... Uh, at the age of seven and I think I, the year difference when you're a kid there was a little bit you know uh, different as like you know some siblings you hear where they're super close and growing up together um, mine was more so like kind of taking care of my brother you know when parents are busy and kind of uh, he was always like um, like a, just like a baby to me you know um, so I didn't have uh, like a person uh, growing up with me um, all the time. So to like, I had a lot of spare time uh, when I was a kid, um, uh, hanging out with family and, and friends and um, school, um, you know, playing outside a lot, uh, uh, learn how to like skateboard and play basketball and stuff. Um, so that was kind of my uh, upbringing. And then, you know, as my brother got a little bit older, then I was able to show him like, oh, he's just like, the cool video games and music and uh, shows and stuff uh, when I was a teenager and he's like, you know, an elementary or so. Um, but yeah, other than that, pretty, pretty standard home. Got it. I, and the way you're describing it, like 
did you feel that I wouldn't use the words maybe obligation because that sounds like a pretty heavy thing, but did you feel, I guess, inspired to show that stuff to your younger sibling to be like, all right, like here's the cool stuff, you know, like I wish I had someone (laughs) showing this to me. So I'm in turn going to show this to you. Or was that just like an offshoot of the things that you might thought he'd be interested in? Yeah. Um, I think it was just uh, a yearning to like share some sort of, you know, uh, similar interest as you would with like, you know, another friend. Um, I mean, the interests I had at that time as well, you know, weren't like particular, particularly unique or anything. It was just kind of like, you know, here, this is like the video game I got last week or, you know, these are the shows I used to watch and, and I think you'll like this. So yeah, it was more just so like a, a simple bonding experience with the sibling. Sure, sure. You're like, hey, I would love, I would love to, you know, watch Brendan Stimpy or whatever with a, <laughs> yeah, a, fr- <laughs> a friend. So here, check this out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and did you, like you said, you were kind of, you know, sports outdoors, like you were kind of doing a, a bunch of different stuff. Um, you've, all, I mean, for as long as I've known you, and I'm not like a, you know, deep Jonathan head, but <laughs> you've always been, you know, very like thoughtful, soft spoken, definitely not the person that I would ever peg being like the, um, you know, loud mouth of the party or being like the class clown or anything like that. I could be misrepresenting you, but, um, you know, have, have that always been the, I guess, mode that you've operated in? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, I was always the quiet kid and very shy um, in school. Uh, but I think it's because uh, my parents kind of raised me like that. That was kind of, you know, um, made sure I behaved and, you know, did good in school and got good grades and things like that. So I just kind of, you know, I realized that that was important to them to, to be a good student. And so those kind of traits just sort of followed me and maybe molded, you know, my helped to mold my personality uh with that um but i wasn't like like uh super shy enough to make friends and stuff like i still had um a very strong friend group that i still am friends with today um and would you know get along with a lot of uh classmates and stuff yeah you you seem to and again this is maybe playing a little armchair psychologist but like you seem the sort of person where you're friendly and affable and therefore it makes you, you know, approachable to people of all different sides of the spectrum where it's not like, you know, you were, um, you know, tatted out by 16 and being like, oh my gosh, like what's, <laughs> what's Jonathan into? Like this, this guy seems crazy. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, yeah, you could be like, oh yes, I'm talking to basketball people. And then I'm also talking to, you know, the kids that are going to warp tour or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I had a very wide range of friends. Uh, and I think a lot of like people in our realm kind of experience that, you know, growing up where you have your athlete friends and then the friends in band and, and so on. <laughs> right. Right. And it's funny too, where I, I think people of certain generations, and I mean, I know you're younger than me, but like there is that idea that you have to have these separate, you know, friend groups just based on the fact that you're like, listen, I can't take my, you know, sports friend to, you know, a hardcore show because you're gonna be like, what the hell is this? You know, it's like, you do have to operate in these kind of like, okay, I know that they're not interested in this. So I'm not going to try to get them into this. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very much like, the case. You had like the groups for those activities. <laughs> right, totally. You're like, there there are barriers that exist for a reason. And that's not just because <laughs> people don't want to hang out with me outside of school or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it, it seems to me, too, that uh, like you said, with your, your parents raising you as far as, you know, school and kind of keeping, you know, in line. Uh, it definitely seems like that has rubbed off in your, the fact that, you know, you went to college and like, you know, you're, you're straight edge, like all of these things kind of, you know, uh, I guess funnel into that. Uh, would you say that that is reflective of your experience? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I've never had the urge to like, like, I guess, like, act out in that way of, like, you know, doing drugs and going to parties and stuff. That just, like, never interested me. Um, you know, just seeing it in, like, family situations as well. Um, like, it was always, like, off-putting to me. I, I was like, oh, I do not want to behave like that. <laughs> you right. know, or... Um, so, yeah, I, I Straight Edge was very natural for me to get into. I didn't realize you know what it was until maybe i was like 13 or 14 uh maybe you know what i might have had uh because I, I grew up watching wrestling and yeah cm punk was pretty big at the time when i was like 10 or 11 so that was probably like yeah. the earliest experience of straight edge and i was like oh what is that and then you know dug a hole into <laughs> to that whole world right and i love the fact that obviously straight edge has, you know, been able to permeate different levels of culture where even people that have no context for punk or hardcore. And I mean, you know, yes, of course, CM Punk is connected to that. But, you know, there are people where it's like they've literally used, you know, like straight edge as an adjective, but aren't like, you know, I'm sure you've seen it in like movies or pop culture where it's just like. They don't. I don't think they even know that they're referencing like something that's <laughs> yeah. connected to DIY. It's like, wow, that's yeah, incredible exactly. that it's gotten so big and I love the fact that you could be 10 and be what are those X's on his taped hands? That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I just knew it looked cool. And then I was like, Oh, I'm like the same. <laughs> like, cause I, I, it's funny too. Cause I was in, um, I was in a basketball league for the Spurs. Uh, they had, um, it's called the San Antonio drug free league. Uh, which looking back at it is pretty sick, but Dude, <laughs> yeah, it was like the... I, that just got me so stoked. I was like, I need merch for that immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to find those old t-shirts. Um, but yeah, uh, we had like sometimes the Spurs and like coach pop, uh, would like come and, and like hang out with us and like just do little drills and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was like a big part of my childhood. Um, like, you know, first to all of like elementary pretty much. Um, right. and then I, yeah, and then it went into a little bit of middle school and high school as well. That's cool. That's really cool. And I, I presume that because of that nature, you were also studious. Like, you took your grades seriously, or did like was school, I guess, easy for you, or did you have to put a lot of work in order to you know maintain your your A's or B's? Yeah, um, I was. <laughs> it's funny to like talk about this now, but. Yeah, I was like a really good student. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, okay. I had I the question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like a straight A student, um, and I graduated like in the top ten uh, of my class. Oh hell um, yeah, dude! Yeah, so I like school was like super important. Um, again, like mentioned, like my parents, like we didn't grow up in like um, 
you know, like the wealthiest home and stuff. Like we came from a, like in San Antonio, I was born in the South side and like, it was looking back now and like, you know, going after going to school and stuff, I realized we were a little bit poorer than like the usual like families that I saw in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always, you know, raised like, you know, go to school, get a good job, uh, et cetera. You know, that generation of, of parents. Um, so yeah, that, I, I, I did try, um, I, it came pretty naturally to me, like easy, I would say for the most part. Um, yeah. And then towards the, towards the middle of high school, you know, actually like ninth to 10th grade, 11th grade <laughs> and so on. I, uh, that's when i kind of really got into hardcore and music and that's when I started to like lose interest actually. Um, and like school, because I was just wanted to, you know, be involved in music and stuff, and I had a band, and wanted to tour and stuff. Um, yeah, so that's when it got a little bit, um, you know, mixed up. But uh, I was still able to, you know, find my way and and still graduate with good grades, and uh, fortunately get scholarships and financial aid uh, to because my my parents didn't pay at all uh, for my college, so I was able oh, to amazing. get it all by myself um do that so yeah very lucky for that i am so happy to be talking to you about rockabilly.com just an amazing amazing place where you can pick up officially licensed band merchandise from so many different genres but first and foremost you must use the promo code 100 words or less that gets you 10 percent off your entire order which is awesome because let me just they blew my mind when they announced this merch item. They are doing lava lamps with bands like Perfect Circle, Sleep Token. I just, I saw it. And I was like, I am tickled pink by that idea. And it's awesome. And again, it's officially licensed. So bands get paid off this. And I don't care if you're into like, you know, Bob Marley, ACDC, Motorhead, anything you will be able to find there. And then you use the promo code and you get 10% off and it just, it works so, so well. They ship from the Midwest here in the United States of America. They are, you know, owned and operated like punk and hardcore kids work there. It's a beautiful place. So rockabilly.com, hundred words or less is the promo code. And that will get you all of the discounts that you need 10% off. And then you can order a bunch of stuff for your family or friends, or maybe just spoil yourself, you know, Valentine's day. It's right there. <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much, Rockabilia, for your support. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, amazing. Not the, the fact that your your parents like weren't able to be in a position <laughs> to help you afford that, but the fact yeah, that yeah. you know you put your 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 nose to the grindstone or whatever you know bad euphemism you want to use there and be able to you know get a college education and show the yeah. fact that you were able to do that and then also still be able to actively participate in music because i think sometimes like it, it does get really cloudy when you're super busy and you're just being like listen i gotta work and like pay for my school and like i can't go to four shows a week like that's a lot you know? yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and i had yeah i ended up getting like a, a summer job too um like while i was in high school um so yeah i definitely took up a lot more time that i would have liked but i'm i mean I'm glad I, I did that because it, it helped, you know, to kind of set aside some money for, for school. Sure. Um, but yeah, 
Did you use any of those? Uh, <laughs> did you use any of the? I mean, not not to get you in trouble or anything. Did you use any of those uh, student loans to uh, help fund uh, Sunday Drive <laughs> in its uh, inception? Probably so. Yeah, I don't sure. know, like particularly how much, but it was all kind of just coming out of my personal bank at the time. Uh, right. You know, being just a kid, so uh, yeah, all my <laughs> I had no like financial collection of everything in those years. Everything was just kind of coming and going you know, uh, paying, yeah. going to school supplies and rent and food and then Sunday drive records <laughs> <Of course. laughs> at 18 year old. But yeah. Yeah. The, re- the reason I asked that is because I, I definitely, my, my parents were, uh, kind enough to be able to help me with some of my college education before I dropped out. But my mom definitely was like, Hey, you need to take out a student loan to show responsibility. And it was like, you know, took out, it was like, whatever, five or $6,000, like a lot, but not like a crushing amount. And all I did yeah. was just use that to put out a record, which like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it's like, you're such an idiot. But at the same time, it's like, of course, I'm stoked <laughs> that I put out a record. And it's like, that's fine. Yeah. But yeah. That's, definitely. <laughs> you make, you make those choices to your point of just like, Hey, this is all collected into one thing. So of course, like, you know, yeah, some of, some of this is going to pay for that and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So when you were, because like you mentioned, you played drums and bands, like, so as you started to, you know, become more enamored with, you know, DIY punk hardcore shows and stuff like that, did you immediately want to play an instrument or did the instrument kind of come first? And then obviously you got into other stuff later. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it happened a little bit before. Um, I had a guitar when I was like in maybe third or fourth grade uh, that I got for my birthday. And I, I kind of fiddled around with that. Uh, I never got particularly good at it, um, but I knew how to play simple chords. Um, but I really got interested in drums, I think in middle school, maybe seventh or eighth grade. And um, yeah, they were, I realized quickly they were a lot more fun. And so uh, I asked my parents for a drum kit, I think in ninth grade. And... Um, they got me one like a starter kit and it's all like all i ever wanted to do <laughs> from that point on and i would make a bunch of noise in the house and um learn songs at the time i think like shed from title fight just came out and i remember just like drumming along to that whole record and and learning all the parts um and then you know i quickly realized like oh i can play drums <laughs> like at least get enough to like you know, to, to this speed. Um, and then immediately I wanted to start a band after that. Um, but yeah, I was kind of going to shows, uh, simultaneously, uh, around like eighth and ninth grade. Um, I think I was like 13 at my first hardcore show and that really like opened my eyes to like, Oh, I can do anything (laughs) I want. (laughs) Like I'm seeing these bands, like, play on this stage and book their own shows and make their own shirts and put out their own merch. And yeah, it was very, very eye opening as a, as a young kid. And since then I was very determined to, you know, kind of realizing to I, I can do what I want if I put the work into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it, it. Especially it's so freeing as a kid because, you know, I mean, you're, you have no real autonomy of your own besides like you have to go to school, you got to do all these things you do what your parents tell you. And the fact that you can be like, okay, I can go to this room 
and like play loud music and then eventually go to shows. Like you just see the world open up and it, it is so exciting. I love that feeling. Yeah, it, it was so cool. And yeah, because I, I think at that time, you know, the only like like knowledge that you have of music around that age is like, oh, the bands play, you know, behind a barrier and there's huge lighting and like you don't get to meet the band. Like they're famous. <laughs> right. all, the, all that is like completely stripped away um, at a hardcore show. And I, I was like, oh, these, you know, the band's just kind of walking around and you can just go talk with them. <laughs> and like <laughs> they're just like regular people. Like some of these kids go to my school too. So yeah, yeah. it was it was very eye opening, and um, I'm so glad that <laughs> that happened to me at a at a young age. Yeah, it's incredible. How did you even get you know exposed to that? Because not like unlike your sibling that you could obviously pass some records down to, um, you know, were you just kind of discovering this via friends at school? I know skateboarding was probably an intro point as well. Um, how were you, how was that getting into you initially? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. So. Yes, obviously with skating and like Tony Hawk games, like that interests me in punk. So I kind of knew what punk was in general. Um, and then I was really into the Spurs uh, growing up too. And watching basketball games, there would be like some like punk ish music playing. And I'd be like, oh, what is that? And it would be like Good Charlotte or like, you know, System of a Down or like these random like bands. And then I would kind of look that up and try to, like, figure it out. I remember, like, trying to figure it out. <laughs> but I didn't have the answer to, like, you know, it, oh, this is hardcore or whatever uh, from an older sibling or, or like, a friend. Um, and I remember going to the store, I think, like, at Walmart or something. And I got, like, this is, like, in second or third grade. So I was very young. But I think I got, like, a Simple Plan CD. And, like, I knew about, like, Blink-182. And I was... Um, my chemical romance, like things like that. Um, so I was like, you know, I, I knew about that stuff. Um, but specifically with hardcore, um, I, I think in, in middle school, I was, uh, it's like the mall emo scene was really big at that time, like 08, 09. Um, so like bands like A Day to Remember or like Bring Me the Horizon and The Devil Wars Prada, stuff like that. Yep. I was like, okay, this is heavier. Um, it's not like punk, but it's like kind of metal-ish. And I was like, okay, like I I like this music, but like it wasn't like I didn't love it. Um, so, and then after that, um, in high school, uh, when I was a freshman. That show that I, I mentioned, um, I had there was this venue called the White Rabbit. In San Antonio, it's called the Paper Tiger now. Um, And we, I went to a show before that. I think it was like, it was like autumn, no, what was it? August Burns Red and like Bring Me to the Horizon in like 2010. And then shortly after, the story so far came, I think. And like, I, like this world like completely opened. So like, like I mentioned, Title Fight and like, um, man overboard transit the story so far all those like pop punk bands with like kind of hardcore roots uh was there and then i was just on the internet like on youtube or like uh, at the time tumblr was really big and kind of kind of diving through there and i think i just kind of found my way into hardcore uh via that way and then 
I met these older kids in high school, there was this group that I always saw of like, they looked like hardcore kids. Um, and uh, yeah, I got kind of, I just became friends with them. I didn't have any hardcore shirts at that time because I was like barely getting into it. Um, and yeah, I just kind of made friends with them. I was like, oh, y'all kind of seem <laughs> like right. it would be friendly. And um, and yeah, and then I they kind of showed me you know, what was kind of happening, like, locally, at least. Because at the time, uh, Hardcore in San Antonio was very big at, like, in the local level mm-hmm. um, versus, like, a lot of, like, touring bands coming through. Uh, obviously, the touring bands mainly went to Austin. So, um, yeah. So, I think it was in 2010, in the winter, I went to that show. I think it was, like, a New Year's show, like, New Year's Eve or, or Christmas, something like that. And... uh I saw uh, this band called Afflictive Nature, um, and that was like their set is like was so wild, and I I was like scared, <laughs> just like just people like hitting <laughs> each other and stuff, and I was like these kids were, uh, that I was with were older, um, so they're like maybe sophomores or juniors at the time, so I was kind of just like standing behind them and kind of experiencing everything, and uh, yeah, so since that. Uh, show i like totally dove into like you know uh, everything else around that time not i didn't uh looking back at it now i wish i like went deeper like um to like the 80s and 90s but i was like very into like contemporary stuff so um half heart uh and like verse and like all the bridge nine bands defeater at that time uh or like the bands that really like um like pulled me in and then, uh, and like all this bands that I mentioned before that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love, I appreciate the description of that just because it shows when you as a kid, like you're just consuming all this stuff. Like you're not really putting it, I mean, you know that bands sound different, but you're not really putting it in genre buckets and, you know, as ridiculously descriptive as we are once we get adults where it's like, oh, this is, you know, emo, pop, rap, like all the different descriptors. And so you're just consuming it devoid of context and you just like it because either it's loud or aggressive or melodic or whatever. And I think that it does hopefully get you to a point where you are able to do exactly what you did and just do the research where you're just like, oh yeah, like I want to find out about this band and all of a sudden I've opened up a little corner of the world with Boston Hardcore or whatever. <laughs> like you just, you start yeah. to go all those different directions. Yeah. And uh, I grew up, I, uh, my, I'm 27. My age is a little bit weird. Cause it's like, I'm kind of, I technically am a millennial, but I have like right. the Gen Z ish. Like I'm like on the, on in the between. And so I grew up, um, very like savvy with computers. And so like, I knew about the internet and stuff and like knew how to research and like, I would burn like CDs on LimeWire and stuff. So I was like, um, I got that early experience of the, of the internet um at at a young age and like my uh i was always like intrigued into like this music um this like heavier or like more punk or melodic stuff because i think my parents exposing it to me at at a younger age like um my uh or my dad was more like on just like the heavier like classic metal side like ozzy or like metallica um Mm -hmm you know, Black Sabbath, things like that. Um, and then my mom was like on the alternative side. So I got 
like my earliest music experience is like hearing my mom sing the cranberries um when i was like a baby <laughs> like probably like three or like four um and and then like hearing the smiths and like new order and things like that I, like the cure like all of that was always in my household and so when you kind of combine those and then our young kid in the 2000s and being more exposed to punk music it's like a very like natural evolution to find your way into hardcore i think yeah it's like you were the pump was primed of being like oh i'm looking for something maybe a little more aggressive than this and then you start to you know get exposed to the other things and it's like you could i mean most people's road to you know punk and hardcore is either you know metal or obviously more on the punk side when you're talking about going into hardcore and so yeah it's like the the pump does need to be primed in some capacity to be you can't just yeah you can't just be like i'm listening to disney music and all of a sudden i'm listening to mad ball it's like that doesn't happen (laughs) you gotta yeah you gotta build you gotta build the road to that yeah and luckily my uh or my parents are they had me pretty young so i think my mom was like 20 um but she was like i was born in 96 so in the 90s was like smashing pumpkins and like nirvana and like uh, even helmet was like pretty big around that time so i remember like we had those cds in the house and like i was like privy to like this type of like a little bit heavier music a little bit different um and yeah it yeah, and looking at Sunday Drive now, that's it's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much what it is a combination of alternative music and and punk and hardcore. Military Gun, Botch, Abenanda, Frozen Soul. What do all these bands have in common? How about they all have web stores at evilgreed.net? They are an amazing place where if you are a band, you know they sell your merch, have an online storefront, all that great stuff, but let me give you a promo code, 100 words. It gets you 10% off of your entire order. And I love Evil Greed because they act like a record label where they work with all things, you know, heavy, hardcore, punk, metal, all that stuff. But they they filter it through their own lens. And, you know, they're not opening the doors for every single band and every single record label to work with them. It's a really, really great company. And they're based in Berlin, Germany, but they ship worldwide and we here in the United States can benefit right now for a very, very advantageous shipping cost. And it gets to you, like, I mean, I am live in California, so like 7, 10 days. I've ordered from them before. I love them so much for it. But go to evilgreed.net. Trust me in saying that if you are a fan of this podcast and the bands featured on there, there's like, I think, 95% crossover there. <laughs> it's like I could go through their whole list of bands and be like, oh, yep, yep, had a member of that. Oh, yep, yep, did that, did that. So trust me, go order from them. It is a great company, all independently owned and operated. And uh, I've met them, hung out with them. Just love what Evil Greed does. So evilgreed.net, promo code is 100 words, and order merch, vinyl, all that stuff to be shipped directly to your house. Thank you, Evil Greed. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you started to, you know, have a desire to play in a band, and I mean, I'm sure the desire was there before you actually started a band and, you know, played drums in it and everything like that. When um, did you play in bands before? Uh, I guess you're the, the the one that you actually you know played some shows with and put music out with. Um, you know what were some of those uh, early attempts to kind of get something going? Uh, yeah, I um, there weren't really like bands. It was more so just like hanging out with friends that I knew who played music. So sure, it was just like we'd just play a bunch of covers, um, like you know nirvana stuff or like and like the bands that i mentioned at the time like the devil's Prada and things like that of course yeah (laughs) so like uh you know yeah we didn't really have like band names or like release anything or play shows it was more so just like hanging out in a garage and you know playing drums and and guitar and stuff um and then uh in high school um yeah and, and 2013 is when um uh, the first band started it was called evident um i played drums for that and uh we ended up that's sounding actually like, n- n- not to interrupt your train of thought but like yeah. that's so that that's difficult for me to quantify and qualify your sound because usually band names are so blatantly obvious when you're 13 oh, yeah. years old where it's like you know you can just immediately tell. So I can't, I can't even articulate what you sounded like. So what, what did you sound like? That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, what I mentioned earlier is like, after all of that, like mall emo stuff is like when I really got into like, um, like pop punk and, and, and punk and hardcore stuff. Um, and like I was super into the, to the contemporary stuff. So, uh, we pretty much just like ripped off title fight, <laughs> like, That's you know, good. uh, like basement or like daylight, um, at that time. Uh, it was, so it ended up pretty much sounding like that. We put out like one EP, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I played drums to it and we wrote the EP in like a day in my backyard. So it was very like simple. Um, but, uh, I was able to like learn from that and obviously and learn how to book shows and get on shows and. Yeah, I remember like when you first got to there, I was like, okay, how do we play a show? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, let's go to a show. And then, you know, we'll like meet these people and like, you know, uh, get on, uh, you know, hang out with a promoter and, and and get on a show. So that's what we did. <laughs> right. And kind of, I mean, not fast forwarding too much, but just the like, you have always seemed to have that, like, you wanted to get on a show. So you kind of, you know, took some action. Um, you know, did something and that nature doesn't always, you know, come to everybody. Usually it's like, especially when you're talking about a band, like maybe there's one, maybe two people that have that, you know, go get them attitude where it's like, all right, let's figure this out or whatever. And then not to say that the other members aren't valuable because they're bringing maybe something else to the table. Uh, but have, has that self-starter nature always been kind of who you are as well? Oh yeah. Um, definitely. I, I, and again, that, that kind of came with going to hardcore shows and, you know, 
um, kind of just realizing that I could do what I want to. Um, but, uh, I mean, I guess even on an earlier age too, like, for example, I, I taught myself how to skateboard. Um, like I, I asked for a skateboard for like Christmas or a birthday or something. Um, and I was like around maybe nine or 10 and I remember just like skating on the sidewalk and like falling like every single time for like, right. like hours, like maybe like two hours. And then finally I was like riding on the skateboard. So yeah, just things like that. Or like even learning how to ride a bike. I learned how to r- ride a bike and that's like four or five. So pretty early on. And my mom like just like taught me. Um, my, my mom, my dad, and, and, you know, getting into basketball, that was just like something I saw on TV with the Spurs playing. And I was like, oh, I want to go play basketball. So yeah, these things just kind of happen. And, um, you know, and same with school. I was like, okay, like I need to do good in school. So I'm going to study for the test and do <laughs> get a good grade. I don't know. Everything's just kind of connected linearly uh, to me like that. Sure. <laughs> and, the idea, you know, playing in bands and playing shows and touring and stuff like that. When did it occur to you that you were like, okay, this is actually how people get out records and how they put out their stuff? Like, did you make that connection, you know, earlier on where it's like, okay, this is how labels on the, you know, DIY level work. So I see that, you know, maybe I, there's a path forward for me to do that. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, I, the realization happened after we recorded that EP. Uh, we actually went to like a studio and, and did everything. Um, and then after, I was like, okay, like how are we going to release this? Because um, I wanted to have like you know some sort of physical copy at shows uh, so people can buy. Um, and we didn't have like any local labels or anything at that time um, to ask. Um, and so I was like, okay, we'll just have to do it ourselves then. So. Um, we went to like Office Depot or something and got like uh, CDRs and got like jewel cases and uh, like sticker labels for the CDs and and then I was like okay well we're gonna I'm gonna design everything and then we're gonna make our own CDs and so that's what we did and they had like back covers and spines and, and everything so yeah <laughs> right <laughs> the um so as you started, you know, actually do the label in college and, you know, balancing all of the, of what you were doing with, I know clearly there's a aesthetic approach and you're a designer by, you know, trade and professional life. Um, when did, I guess, when did design become a part of obviously the fact that you could, you know, incorporate that in with what you're doing at the label side of things start to happen? Yeah. Um, since the beginning um, with the label, because I, I studied uh, design in school. Um, so I guess kind of backtracking to how I got there. Uh, while I was in, in, in that band um, and booking shows, and uh, we used to do like a bunch of house shows. Uh, and so I had to make the posters for them. And I figured out what Photoshop was and got like a free a copy installed on my laptop and um was doing all of that without the knowledge of what graphic design is <laughs> and then um i remember we had like a career fair um at our school and um 
one of the the school that I went to a uh, and M had came and I learned that graphic design was a thing. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm already doing this. <laughs> like this can be a good good option. Um, and so yeah, that's why I ended up going to school for. Uh, it was called visualization. So it was kind of just the study of visual design. Um, and got it. Got yeah, it. I cho- I chose to go that route because I knew that I can be still be incorporated with music. Because I like when I was doing like the CDs and stuff, I was like kind of realizing that somebody needs to do this, <laughs> you know, right. like the whatever records I'm buying and stuff. So this is an actual thing that can uh, be a career path. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I ended up studying. And then um, I started Sunday Drive after my first um, year of school. So I think it was the June, May or June of 2015. And so I had a year of, of experience or two semesters of experience uh, in design. And I quickly kind of like, um, like knew, you know, like how to do stuff, but also like I had an, uh, some sort of vision that like I knew that the label needed to have. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where that foundation was. So as I was in school and learning more and more over the years, uh, obviously like the designs got better and better with Sunday Drive. Um, and I was, I was like doing stuff like, um, outside of schoolwork, like with Sunday drive. And that really helped me to like learn even more than maybe like other classmates. So, um, yeah, I was kind of like pushing myself in that way to like figure out like, you know, how to set up a booklet, for example, in InDesign, um, for, you know, to print, you know, J cards or whatever, um, and yeah, that really like got me ahead in school at that time. And uh, working simultaneously with Sunday Drive in school uh, really helped me to be um, the designer that I, I was, you know, and um, was very lucky to be a, a good student in that class as well. My graphic design courses um, and was learning like from my professor um, a lot and and like just like i was just consuming so much like knowledge uh, i'm very glad that i ended up going to school because it, it, if i was to like just keep designing the way i was uh, obviously it wouldn't be the strongest but just being surrounded by other creative individuals um and learning even more and like art history and things it it really like strengthened my skills um, as, a, as a designer um and i'm glad that sunny drive kind of has this visual identity uh that exists now yeah exactly well it's like you were you know doing double time work because you were doing the school work and then you were doing the label work that all (laughs) was able to help develop that you know maybe quicker if you were doing both of them separately so to speak yeah yeah definitely and I, I asked this next question not to embarrass you, but just in the idea that like clearly none of us know what we're doing when we start stuff. And like we were talking about, you know, whatever, printing up 50 tapes and only selling two. What like, you know, maybe fast forwarding a little bit, like what were some of the, I guess, early mistakes that you made or a mistake that sticks out where it's like, oh, man, I learned a lot from this just because, you know, I I, I can't do it this way or I need to think about you know this approach differently in order to keep make this you know more sustainable like is there something that sticks out in your mind when i ask you that question uh yeah i think 
um, putting out vinyl on your 10th release um, with very little identity um, was <laughs> maybe not the smartest tough. move. Yeah. Sure. And doing like, I think we did 300 copies or so um, with the with the band that, you know, it, 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 again, like is really good and, and who I believed in. Um, but weren't, you know, at the level maybe that, um, to be putting out that many copies of vinyl, cause they weren't like a touring band or anything. They played shows and did like little mini tours and weekenders and stuff, uh, which was good. Um, but, uh, yeah, for the amount of money for those records and the amount of money that I was making at the time just did not <laughs> make did sense. Not compute, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we did it and I really, that was always the goal of a Sunday drive. I just wanted to put out vinyl and I was very eager, I think. And I did it and, uh, I was happy. I was like super excited when they came in, like getting sure. vinyl delivered to your apartment is like, like, so like exciting. <laughs> it feels like Christmas. Like it's shows, still, still shows up it. Yeah, for sure. Well, especially <laughs> when it shows up in those, you know, 18 boxes and you're like, oh, yeah. this is what. <laughs> this is what 500 copies looks like or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Or the first time a pallet shows up at your house where you're like, Oh, this is what a thousand copies looks like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. This is what I'm yeah. I have to ask someone to put it in their garage or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that, um, that, that was a, a learning experience for sure. And, um, you know, I, I just realized that, like, I didn't need to take things a little bit slower and grow um, and not rush things. So that right. kind of uh, guided me um, to, I think our next final release was, like, uh, maybe uh, 10-ish releases later or so. Um, and I was gave me a, a little bit more time to, like, save and, and, and invest for that purchase. Right. And then feel like it's the right, you know, bet to take, so to speak, if it's, you know, a band that, like you said, is maybe a little more active or touring where it's like, yeah, you could kind of have that experience where it's like, oh, okay. Like if a band is looking to play five shows a year, it's going to be tough for me to <laughs> sell sell copies at their show or whatever. Yeah. 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 So definitely things like that. And also, um, uh, just like, I wish I was more organized at that time too. Um, a huge, I think, part of it was just like not having the time to even you know think about that mm-hmm. um like because uh, i was you know i was a full-time student and i had a, a a part-time job and then did sunday drive um so yeah i i wish i just like um had like for example that i don't i didn't have a spreadsheet of catalog numbers until like like 2020 <laughs> so i had like <laughs> Yeah, I had to go back and like catalog everything or like I didn't have, um, you know, I didn't know how to like do royalties um, until like years later. I did or like figuring out how to distribute music to get it on streaming and like just like things like that. I wish I, you know, learned early on, um, but everything just kind of happened organically. And obviously now I'm kind of have everything, you know, um, well documented and archived appropriately. So. It's just a sure. learning curve. Right, of course. Well, yeah, you're still learning. You're, you're making mistakes now that you don't even know are mistakes. <laughs> They're just smaller yeah. than what they were initially. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
the something that I've always admired about what you have done as well in regards to the the sonic palette that you existed with Sunday Drive, where it's basically like, dude, I'm going to release a you know replacements inspired band, and then yeah, of course I'm going to release a you know metallic hardcore record, and like that's always been rooted in what Sunday Drive is, where it's like, as long as it exists in the sort of world that I exist in, the DIY you know parameter, that's what I'm going to focus on. And looking at, you know, a label like Run For Cover, which I know is obviously a big inspiration for you, and you've articulated that in the past, do you want to, I guess, stretch as far as they have, where it's like, you know, putting out records from bands that obviously are still indie, but, you know, is really kind of far afield from what they have been, you know, known to do in the past? Uh, Yeah, uh, I think I am very open with, like, uh music but i think uh i don't know there just has to be something to my liking uh i i'm not like totally turned off by a specific genre or or like type of band but i do like it when it comes to me like organically uh nowadays at least um before it was different because you know no one knew who sunday drive was so i had to like look up bands and send them emails uh but now nowadays um a lot of a lot of my releases are just organic. So like friends of friends uh, on the label uh, will just like send me stuff and get it, you know, text me a, a link or whatever. Um, and those friends of friends just happen to be rooted in DIY and like hardcore and stuff. So yeah, I feel like at most of our bands, like a lot of them are just hardcore kids playing alternative music. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of, um, lay some sort of foundation for Sunday Drive where, like, we easily share, you know, similar ethics um, from being, you know, involved in punk and hardcore, but, like, enjoy other types of music. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't want to, like, um, categorize Sunday Drive into, like, one thing uh, as well. So I do want to, like, continue to evolve. What that field goes to, I'm not sure. It just kind of happens organically like for example like um i got into neil young this year (laughs) um and uh and like teenage fan club and we just happened to put out like a very of those bands like inspired record from dan dara and the rain and uh that record ended up being like one of my favorites of the year and uh that happened organically i like i really like that music and then i appreciated dan's music from years ago um, as well, and him being in, in male spec too was just like another cool connection, I think. Um, and yeah, that uh, I, I really like when that happens, like very organically, just kind of going day by day, and it can continually to evolve the label in that way is more interesting to me. I don't have like a particular like goal or like um, you know section of what I want the label to be in. I think it's just gonna grow as as my musical taste uh grows as well sure right yeah you don't have a uh, a spreadsheet of like all right i gotta put out three <coughs> hardcore records this year i gotta put out you know, <laughs> yeah, four exactly. indie rock. yeah yeah that would be yeah that'd be terrible <laughs> uh, and kind of all the last two things i wanted to hit on one of them being kind of related to what we were just talking about how and i'm sure you've had to learn this um you know, in different aspects, but how do you decipher, you know, between bands that like you enjoy versus bands that like you want to put their record out? Because I'm sure there are people's stuff that you enjoy where you're like, 
okay, I can't put this out because I either, you know, like they don't, they're not going to play shows or whatever. Like you have to, you know, use the business calculus side of your, your head. Um, you know, how do you kind of walk through that process uh, as you're figuring out what you're going to put out? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think early, earlier on, I would get those a little bit confused because I was like, I like this. I want to put it out. <laughs> right, and, right, right. Um, and now I have a better understanding of like separating sort of like enjoying music as an individual listener uh, versus like, oh, this kind of fits on Sunday Drive. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of um, sometimes when I find something uh, and a lot of the times now uh, it'll be already attached to a label, which kind of helps me because I don't have to like yearn for, you know, <laughs> sure. that band to put out a record on Sunday Drive. Um uh, just because there's so many like independent like uh, and hardcore labels now too, which just wasn't a thing. Uh, it wasn't or it wasn't as prevalent in like 2015 or 2016, for example. Uh, but now you got you know Streets of Hate days, you know from within uh, corruption things like that happening on a smaller scale. That kind of takes care of a lot of that, um, and so that that definitely helps. But if there, if I if I really enjoy something. And I don't know like anyone in the band or like anyone connected to it. Um, it typically like, takes me a little bit longer to like reach out. But uh, yeah, uh, for example, um, Fever Child. When I first heard them, uh, I got very lucky because I had one person that was connected to them, which was Bjorn, uh, the singer of Rise and Fall. Um, and I think I followed. We have followed each other. And luckily, they happened to be from the similar area on there. He was friendly with them. And so uh, I was able to kind of get connected with Fever Child. Because right when I heard the, the EP, I was like, this needs to be on Sunday Drive. Like, I was yeah, so it, it, excited you're like, this is so per- <laughs> This is so perfect for Sunday Drive. Yeah, yeah. If you were, yeah. If you were like building a band in a lab, this is like so up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there are like circumstances where that happens. But I tend to get lucky where like there is at least one connection with them where it's not too far um apart but yeah um in general i the most of the stuff i enjoy i don't feel a need to like um ask them to like join the label uh because i like i said uh if anything is coming to me organically from like friends and friends of friends like um I usually enjoy it already because we are friends. So like that stuff kind of just naturally uh, gets in the label. Cause I, and then, you know, them being friends just makes me want to help them more. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the, the last thing I want to hit on was the fact you're a, a runner, Jonathan, which is something that, um, you know, not everybody does. I mean, obviously it's a popular pastime, but like you have been very uh, dedicated with it. I've noticed over the past whatever year or so, um, maybe even a little bit longer. What uh, what attracted you to that, and what kind of keeps you, you know, motivated beyond the fact that obviously it's good for you, you know, healthy for your body, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what kind of attracted you to it? Yeah, um, I think uh, so. I started running in, uh, I would say, consistently in uh 2022 and i think october or november um and t- up until then i tried actually tried to run like maybe years before that um and i 
I hated it. <laughs> like, sure. I, like I, I was attracted to it because like, it seems like it looks cool. Like it's such a cool sport. Obviously it's like one of the healthiest things that you can do for your heart. Um, and I knew that I wanted to like have some sort of physical activity cause I wasn't, um, doing much, uh, physically. Cause it, this is like during like COVID and stuff. Um, so I'm, I have a remote job and I was just kind of at home and I wanted to get out. Um, so yeah, at that time, I think I, I just started to walk, uh, just to kind of get out of the apartment for a bit. And that slowly kind of evolved into like, you know, wanting to run. And then I think, um, I was listening to a podcast, um, with, there's two, I believe. So there's one with, uh, with Pat Flynn. Uh, I forget which, which podcast it was, but he was talking about, um, a recent like fiddlehead run that they did and like he hadn't ran or something like up uh like recently and the shows that uh, he did were like not up to par you know physically sure. as he would like to have been and i was like oh that's interesting um and then i heard walter walter trifles talk about it uh these are two of like my favorite <laughs> musicians by the way right. um and so and yeah he was talking about like just running um on tour uh on like the recent quicksand tours and stuff and um that just kind of like inspired me a little bit more because i had already tried it previously from um from hearing that and yeah it just kind of drove me to like okay let's try this again and um i did and again i hated it because i didn't know how to run um and it was like it was a whole learning experience so um yeah so i was i would run and I would want to go fast and I would get tired, obviously. And I'm like, okay, I want to give up. And so I had to kind of like learn and I watched just like a, you know, research, just like we were talking about earlier, just research and like go on YouTube and like watch other runners and hear other podcasts and interviews and stuff with different runners. And I quickly realized like, oh, I don't have to go fast. Like I can just run at my pace. Like I'm not trying to impress anyone. Like sure. I can just go slow. Um, and that's what I did. Uh, so I did this thing called zone two training, uh, where you keep your heart rate in zone two, which is a relatively low effort. Um, and I ran, so that's kind of, it's kind of difficult when you're, when you're starting because you're, you get frustrated and you're like, your heart needs to be in that range of like one at my age, it's like one thirty to one forty ish. And, um, so you run and then you like hit the next zone and you're like shoot i gotta stop so like you're like stop and walk for a bit and then start running again and it was like a mental like training in a way because like it gets you connected with like your heart and what your heart what work you're doing and so yeah that really helped me i did that for like maybe like four five months and then i was like okay i think i have enough foundation to begin like doing some training for my goal was to like, I want to do a half marathon and in the future I want to do a full marathon. And so then I started a whole training program for a half marathon. Um, and that taught me a lot as well. Just learning to run, not only run slow, but also do like speed work and run faster, uh, do long runs. Like my first long run was like maybe five miles or something. And it was so rewarding after, um, cause I was like, I've never ran five miles, for example. This is impossible. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just like the, getting these like 
little like milestones and like nobody cares at all <laughs> like in the world too like it's only like me and then like i share with like my fiance and like um that really like just her alone just like really uh just sharing that with her because i wouldn't really talk about it with anyone uh that really helped me um and yeah i just continued to like still do it and then i realized like it helped me mentally as well because it's like it's a huge like um like mental training i don't know if people like realize that um because you're running and you're running alone um and you have time to think and there's like no one out i run in the mornings like at like six six seven a.m so like no one's really out like the sun is barely rising it's like my favorite time of the day and uh yeah it's like totally helped me um mentally and physically i'm able to like run longer now and run faster and it's all kind of happening like naturally organically and i hope to i almost hit a thousand miles this year i was like trying to um right but it's fine didn't happen this year but i'll try to do it next year and uh hopefully that marathon uh will come uh soon i'm excited for (laughs) yeah well that's the i mean the the tracksmith slash Sunday Drive Records collaboration I see in the future, <laughs> where you know because yes. you're the labels aesthetics and the running community broadly speaking could uh, you know fit really well in and you could you could easily do like all right here's your marathon playlist dog Sunday Drive Records yeah. from top to bottom you know <laughs> here you go exactly so, yeah now like any like running aesthetic I see now I'm like I am immediately attracted to it. <laughs> kind of an annoying in a way but also I, I just love it like we have like sunday drive poster that's hanging over here it's like like um j- like uh, o- olympic athletes and stuff sure and like, yeah i don't know i just got like to- totally involved into that whole world and like seeing the aesthetic of like vintage like you know uh running gear and like um yep. you know the new york marathon in the 60s and like seeing how people dress and like it's like a whole other world that i've like loved to like dive into and it's obviously been like driving the graphics on Sunday Drive now. Yeah. Uh, so like, well, it's cool. Just like it, anything with movement, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cool. I I like when you can bring in different elements that are influenced by the other things that people are into. Because when I mean, yes, like it's easy to throw you know and this is not throwing shade at anybody that does this but like you know blood and guts and skulls and flames and all that stuff like you know that's like relatively easy to do i mean not easy but like it's it's low-hanging fruit so it's like if you're if you're being like hey how can we make this look like you know how can we make this hardcore band look like you know a 60s running poster or whatever like let's see if we can exactly (laughs) that's literally like my favorite thing to do of design like I love to like combine different elements like that, like yeah. movie posters from like like vintage movie posters and like with combined with like factory records stuff. Yeah, totally. Uh, and totally. and also like you know a sick of it, sick of it all record. <laughs> like like I have these three things on my mood board that are like totally different, but like somehow I'm grabbing like elements from each, and it's it's so cool to do <laughs> right totally just like check out this demented pinterest board like just go ahead and try, <laughs> yeah. try to find three elements like this like just pull in cannibal corpse and yeah here we go like try try to do this <laughs> yes <laughs> well jonathan thank you so much for hanging out with me and letting me ping pong around your brain i uh, appreciate it and i appreciate the work you do with the label my friend of course thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it it's been 
uh, I've been, I, I think I mentioned this when I met you in person, but it's been, I've been listening to this podcast for like almost 10 years or so. So like being able to be on the show now is like so like crazy to me, but yeah, yeah. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all like the work that you've done in this and like just hearing like other musicians stories has really helped inspire me like as a, and as a creative and, um, so yeah. Super excited to be on here. There you go. Hopefully you got to know Jonathan and in turn, you then become a super fan of his label like I am. And I just, I, I love it because <laughs> I'm, I'm old. And, you know, there is that, that whatever, that random Spotify study that it's like, you know, most people stop checking out new music when they're like, you know, in their early 30s. And I just, I really, really, really like the fact that music can still move and excite me. Because, you know, I know that doesn't happen for many people. So the fact that I can be, you know, like a like a child <laughs> with Jonathan's record label makes me really, really happy. So the, big shout out to Jonathan and just being a really, really sweet individual. Next week, I have a man named Will Killingsworth. He plays in Orchid. He plays in Bucket Full of Teeth. He's also played in like Ritual Mess and just a lot of bands in general. Basically, in my mind, definitely a screamo legend, as it were. And uh, yeah, I had a discussion with him. And he's also a producer. He's like recorded nine million bands. And like, I know that's an exaggeration, but he has recorded a ton of bands. And he's mixed a lot of stuff, mastered a lot of stuff. And he's just, you know, basically hanging out, doing doing his thing in his recording studio and making punk and hardcore bands sound good and then he also is very affordable which is awesome so anyways we got will killingsworth on the show next week and until then please be safe everybody the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. trust me in saying that no matter who you are mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference that's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.